Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. All of those soft skills really help propel your career, even if you're not a consultant. You have to be able to interact with business business counterparts, um, your end users. You have to be able to talk non-technically to people. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real-world experiences in the industry, what they've learned over the course of their career, and what they think is coming next for tech. Here all, I welcome all of you on behalf of Women Who Code Data Science. Today we'll have an interactive discussion with our esteemed guest, Kelly. Before starting with her, I would like you all to introduce myself. I am Eramusu from Pakistan. I am part of a volunteer team at Women Who Code Data Science. Now I would like to introduce Kelly. Kelly has worked in software and data engineering space for over 10 years. She has implemented software and data solutions for Fortune 500 healthcare, insurance, and financial services clients. She is the subject expert in multiple data engineering and cloud faces for CapTech. In her spare time, she enjoys playing video games and spending time with her. Hi, Kelly. Welcome again. We are pleased to have you with us. Would you like uh, to tell us more about your career journey, please? Absolutely. Um, so I have been um, all over the space, as uh, Aram mentioned in my introduction. Um, I started actually started college not in the software space. I started as an actuarial, actuarial science um, major and switched to um, what is basically a big data degree where I learned all sorts of things from GIS to data mining, data cleaning, data warehousing, relational databases. Um, And then all of my electives were all developer classes. I took Python, I took Java, I took, had to take Visual Basic. Um, (laughs) um, Basically anything I could get my hands on some code, I did it. Um, As I I actually got my first job working for a large health insurance company in Pennsylvania. Um, I was bouncing between Oracle PL SQL and Java services work. So I was all over the place on that side of the house. Um, After a couple of years, I needed a a change of scenery, just needed something new. um, And I started consulting with CapTech. And from there, I started as a Java services developer, working for a, a large financial institution at the time. Um, After a couple of years, I transitioned. I started working with a large utility provider doing more data-centric work. Um, I had been bugging our data leadership at CapTech to let me do data-related work, and I'll I'll get into that more later. Um, But once I got into that, that was on-prem, and then my next opportunity was cloud-based, still doing data engineering work, but much more hands-on on infrastructure and stuff like that. And I'm now considered an expert in two of the three big clouds, um, AWS and GCP from a data lens. Um, I'm a subject matter expert in Snowflake, and I've kind of been all over the place in my my journey. Amazing. So as you mentioned, there are a few transitions in your career before being a data engineer. How and why did you make these transitions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving from an actuarial degree to a big data degree, my joke with my college friends is I didn't like the calculus classes. Um, 
it's a joke because you don't do calculus and actuarial, but you have to get through three or four layers of calculus. Just, I, I don't know why it's in the degree. Um, but I, I just, it didn't grab me. Um, it wasn't fun. Um, so I switched to big data because I, I like getting my hands on data. I like making information out of data, um, out of the raw data and that sort of thing. I like making sense of things. Transitioning from a software engineer in doing Java services and the like into a data engineer was a very natural transition for me. I said to my boss, um, I want to write code in a data pipeline. Um, I didn't want to let go of writing code, but I wanted to look at it from a different lens. So going from Java services, very monolithic, um, but very object oriented, considering how the services interact with the UI and that sort of thing to flipping the script a little bit. And instead of how do I interact with a user interface? How do I interact with the data? How do I get the data to the services layer? Um, taking that step back in the stack um, and at a very high level, that's where I've been since. It, digging in a little bit, I've gone from on-prem to cloud. Um, as the industry shifted, I had to shift. Um, I went from MapReduce and Hadoop to Spark to um, now we have tools like AWS Glue, some of the drag and drop tools like Matillion, and then being able to manage the infrastructure. So I've been all over the place, everything from industry shift to keeping aligned with my interests. Yeah, great. That that's really great to know. Like you have been in, you know, almost every tool. So how has kept exported you as a, like your you professionally and individually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, CapTech is fantastic. Um, when I was the Java services developer my first couple of years, I went to data leadership and said, I want to be in the data space. How do I switch? The data engineering lead at the time said, here are a list of skills that we are trying to staff. Here is what our clients are looking for. Um, here's what we need out of consultants. And I was able to take that list and do a lot of stuff on my own time, learn those things at the time. It was Hadoop, MapReduce, um, NoSQL was just starting to get big and Spark was right on the cutting edge. We weren't sure if it was going to become a thing or not. Um, so I started learning all of those tools, all of those concepts, just getting a handle on all of that. As I kind of got a handle on it, I went back to data leadership and said, okay, like, I, I understand this in theory. What can I do to get some more hands-on experience? They gave me some mentors. They they worked with me. They guided me. And then eventually uh, I had enough people vouch for me that I at least knew what I was talking about. Um, and they, they switched my project for me. Um, they switched me out of a Java services role into a data engineering role and really gave me that opportunity to grow and develop. So professionally, CapTech has been absolutely fantastic and has really fostered my my growth and kept in line with kept aligned with my interests. Um, individually, the core values of CapTech, um, specifically our intellectual curiosity and our enthusiasm. Um, I'm you can hear it as I'm talking through this, that um that that keeps me going, that keeps me driving. And it's such an important core part of our company and who we are and who everybody in our company is um, having that that intellectual curiosity that enthusiasm for your job I work with very like-minded people um, it keeps me it keeps me engaged uh, no doubt you're uh, you know you 
and in front of you, uh, like in front of us, you are as a model, but they have done for you. So let's move forward. Uh, I have another question for you. As a data engineer, what tools and techniques uh, you are using and how easy to adopt them as a new professional career? Um, as far as tools, um, there is a blogger out there who does a data landscape graphic every year. Um, I love putting that on kickoff meetings for like first quarter stuff, um, new hires and stuff like that, because I think there's something like 5,000 tools on that um, that graphic. Um, they're so small, I could probably blow it up and throw it on my wall and I'd still have to squint to read them. Um, so there is an abundance of tools. Everybody is using something different. Once you learn the concepts and the techniques of those tools, they just become levers to help you do your job well. Um, it's more important to learn ETL versus ELT and benefits of on-prem versus cloud and when to do one or the other or a hybrid, when to do hybrid clouds, um, when to use managed services versus standing up your own infrastructure, understanding when to use NoSQL versus a data warehouse versus a, a transactional database, how to do different normal forms. Um, I'm actually in the process of um, working with a bunch of junior cap techers who want to get into the data engineering space. And I gave them the link specifically to that blog I mentioned just to let them know that we are not teaching them all those tools. Um, but we're teaching them skills like Python and making sure their SQL is, most of them have SQL already, but making sure they've got advanced SQL and stuff like that, um, getting them involved in the cloud. What else are we teaching them? The basics of DevOps, understanding that GitHub, some of the core service like development pieces. And once you learn those, the tools kind of come second nature. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm an expert in both AWS and GCP. At this point, like you can throw me on a client with either of those clouds and I can, even if I've never used the tool before, in that specific cloud, I've probably used it in the other cloud um, or used its equivalent and I can just shift over very easily. Um, so it, it it all, once you get the techniques down, the tools the tools just become items in your tool belt. No doubt, that that's an amazing tip. Like one, you know, the techniques tool doesn't matter. So moving forward, uh, you know, nowadays many organizations are offering data engineering, data science and AI courses. Uh, so do you see the need of formal education to join such emerging professions as a career? I don't. So formal education is great. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I have a degree in big data. It helped propel me towards my career, but I'm very self-taught in a lot of the emerging tech and that sort of thing. I think once you've got some core capabilities down, which can also be self-taught, the industry is just moving too fast. Formal education can't keep up. You're you're better off um, getting a subscription to something like a Cloud Guru or Data Camp or Code Academy or something like that, and really digging into that stuff. I've got books that the day I bought them, they were out of date. Um, I've stopped buying books, <laughs> and especially with data science, ML, AI, even data engineering. It's moving so fast. Um, you know, there's a there's a newer term in the industry that's ML engineering um, because data engineering wasn't specific enough. We needed a very specific set of skill sets to be able to build pipelines and move data for ML 
developers and AI developers. Um, how you interact with data there is different than how you interact with data for basic analytics and reporting. So it's constantly changing. It's constantly shifting. I think formal education is a fantastic option for getting a solid footing to start with. But once you get there, you've Google is your best friend and you've really just got to start digging into it on your own and learning and reading blogs and all of that stuff. No, no doubt. Amazing. So far, we have talked about technical skills. Now I'm coming towards soft skills. So how do soft skills complement tech skills in technical professions? Absolutely. Um, I'm a consultant, so soft skills are very important as a consultant. I, I often joke with my boss, I'm a data engineer first, a consultant second. I think he would prefer it be the other way around. Um, but that being said, all of those soft skills um, really help propel your career, even if you're not a consultant. Um, you have to be able to interact with business business counterparts, um, your end users. You have to be able to talk non-technically to people. If you don't develop those soft skills, you may you may be the best at what you do, um, but if you can't communicate what you're doing and how you're doing it, you're not, you're never going to get beyond like a, an engineer two or anything like that. Because once you start getting into those engineering lead roles and senior roles, you start being the bridge between the two. Likewise, once you start getting into those senior roles, most people are going to expect you to start mentoring the junior roles. Um, and you absolutely need to be able to do that. Um, something that CapTech put me through was a, a leadership um, program. They actually went through and did a, um, a whole thing on emotional intelligence and how to deal with that. Um, when I first went through that, that tr leadership training program, um, they did an EQ test instead of an IQ test, emotional quotient. Um, and I, um, I did not score well. <laughs> you know, took a lot of lessons learned from that. They gave me a lot of things to work on. Um, I've worked very closely with um, my coach, um, CapTech, you really own your own career, um, but you have coaches to help guide you and move you through your career and stuff like that. Um, I've worked with other mentors and that sort of thing to really help build those soft skills because they don't come naturally to me. Um, I'm technical first. I always have been, but I would bet if I took that EQ test again, I would rate much higher. So it's it's gotten to become so important. And especially as I'm moving through, um, I'm a I'm a director of data engineering and I could get to manager pretty easily on tech skills alone, but getting into that senior manager director level, as I said, start getting more into business and mentoring and needing those soft skills as well. Yeah, amazing. And you know that one perspective listening from technical person is really fruitful now coming towards like there are very less women in technical fields so i would like to ask you being a woman in tech profession what are the major challenges you faced or uh, how how you have overcome with those challenges yeah um so i mentioned that i worked for a large health insurance company um there was a particular architect on that at that uh, job that um, did not like me. And at one point, point blank told me that I would never be as good as my male counterparts because women just don't think the same way men do. Um, 
that being in your first two years of coming out of college, learning everything is a big blow to the ego and very difficult to manage, especially somebody with, you know, 15 years experience. Fortunately, none of my other coworkers felt that way. And um, I was able to kind of build a support network within that job at the time. Um, and all of my mentors were were male, but that never stopped them from treating me like everybody else. I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, I actually did a an internal panel yesterday um, with CapTech, um, and I specifically did the only woman in the room. How do you handle being, especially as an engineer, more often than not, you're probably the only female on the team. Um, and even if you're not the only female on the team, if you start getting into some of the leadership roles and stuff like that, a lot of the senior architects, a lot of the executives, the VPs, the the people you start having to interact with, a lot of times are often male. So you have to reassure yourself that you, you've earned your spot at the table um, and that you're there. Um, one of the biggest things that I have struggled with is the difference in attitude. I can't approach a topic the exact same way one of my male counterparts does. If they get very authoritative and very, this is the way we're going to do things, they come off as a to the point kind of person. If I do the same thing, I come off as, insert expletive here, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I come off as just, they, they dismiss me. Um, I'm just annoying. I'm just, um, I'm just being a little bit catty or whatever. Um, there's not a lot of, not as much respect there. Um, and it gets very difficult to, to deal with that. Um, and I, I get sidestepped a lot, maybe not the best approach, but a lot of what I do is stick to my guns when I, when I know I'm right on something or, I don't think my opinion is being heard and I need it to be heard. I have no problem being louder than the loudest person in the room. Um, it's not necessarily the best approach and doesn't work for everybody, but it does work for me. Um, other ways I've handled that is um, finding allies, whether they be male or female, um, being able to give my, my voice leverage in a room if somebody interrupts me or whatever, having one of those allies to be able to say, I want to hear what you have to say, but let me let me see what Callie has to say first. I think she was saying something. That sort of thing. Um it it's the biggest challenge for me has always been being the only woman. Um some other some other challenges I've faced, um, the misogyny, I mentioned that imposter syndrome. Um, so my own, my own faults, um, feeling like I don't belong here and that sort of thing and being able to overcome that and remind myself that I think I'd already said this, I've earned my seat at the table. I, I belong here though. That's really, it's a big, it's a big hurdle to overcome, especially when everybody in the room with you is different than you. You don't really have anyone to look up to or to bounce off over anything like that. No doubt. I, these are, you know, so insightful, you know, the thoughts you have put into the table, which we always ignore, and these are really helpful. So you just mentioned you you have a dog at the back. So let's let's talk about Emma. So so what are you passionate about or outside of your work? How do you balance your work and uh, life routine otherwise? <laughs> Um, as a recovering workaholic, take your PTO, please. 
I don't care who is listening to this male, female, alien species, take your PTO. Um, I learned that the hard way I burnt out a few years ago and it took me months, if not years to recover, set your boundaries. Um, I, I have a very clear on my phone. I have a separate work profile and I have that scheduled to be on from 8am to 6pm at 6pm. It shuts off and I don't get notifications till 8am. It's great. Um, I try to make sure my time is used effectively. There are so many things where this meeting could have been an email um, or why am I doing this when somebody else could be doing this? Can I delegate this? Um, can I ask my boss to hand it to somebody else because I'm not the right person for it? Saying no with answers is, is basically what I'm getting at. Um, don't, don't be afraid to say no, I have too much on my plate. Um, as far as my personal time, um, you mentioned I love playing video games. I love playing video games with my friends. Um, I was just recently playing a dinosaur survival game called Ark. Um, they drop you on an island in your underwear. There are T-Rexes everywhere. Survive. And you can do it as a tribe and everything like that. And it's so much fun to spend time with my friends, not worry about work, um, problem solve in a different way. It, it's a lot of fun. I also enjoy single player games. Um, there, There's... Legend of Zelda, um, Breath of the Wild is one I replay quite often. Um, the new one is coming out in the spring. I'm very excited. The Pokemon games are coming out. Um, very, very excited about that. And on top of that, I, I have a dog that I've had since he was three years old. He's 11-ish now. Um, he was a he was a rescue, so we don't know a whole lot about his background. We got a DNA test done, and he came back like 10 different variations of Terrier. Um, so we, we call him the little terrierist as, as a, as a little joke when he's being mouthy, like he was earlier in this podcast, but he, he is wonderful. I love taking him on walks. He doesn't play as much as he used to. Um, but he, he is, he's, he's my fur child and uh, my husband and I would be lost without that dog. Amazing. So I, I just, uh, I'm going to ask one last question. Don't want to stay you long over here. So we have, uh, what would you like to advise the young ladies aspirant to join tech profession as pro tip? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, first off, I, I'm going to say if you're, if you're good in this perfection profession, it's lucrative. We make, we make some money um, as long as you're good at it. Um, and on that note, um, I, I, We've all talked about the wage gap and everything like that. Find a company that values you as you, not because you fill a diversity bucket or whatever. And um, you shouldn't see the wage gap. Um, when, when they value you as you, they pay you as you, not as a female. Try to find that. Um, I touched on intellectual curiosity earlier. Um, that's always been a personal thing for me, I have to be learning. If I'm doing the same thing for more than a few years, I am bored out of my skull. Um, something I love about consulting is that I get to bounce from project to project and learn something new all the time. Um, it's hard. Sometimes there are days where I wish I just knew the answer and didn't have to go learn something new. Um, but for the most part, you know, being able to constantly learn, look at that tip of the spear, what's coming next, what's what's the next hot new thing always driving towards that. Um, don't lose that as you, as you go through. Um, and on that note, um, as, as I'm sure you've kind of heard in my tone, drive and passion for all of this really keeps me going. 
you really have to love what you do in this field to be successful at it. Um, otherwise you'll stagnate and then you kind of lose all of the benefits that I just talked about. Don't stagnate in this field. Be prepared to be constantly learning. Be prepared to say to somebody, I don't know, but I'll find out. Um, it's one of my favorite phrases. I love saying that often. So um, that, that would be my big three things. Like I said, money's good. Um, don't, uh, don't let yourself be sold short. Always be learning and always have a passion for what you're doing. Amazing. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for wonderful insight in your tech career and great tips for many parents in the tech field. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you and learning from you. Hope to see you soon. Thanks. Absolutely. Again. It was great talking with you too. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.